So this morning, as we, as we get started, uh, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And the title of this morning's sermon, actually, is not what's written in the back of your bullet. The title of this morning's sermon is How Not to Pray. How Not to Pray. And we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we come to... Why are you laughing, Carlton? It is funny? Okay. Well, we come to this portion where Jesus talks about prayer, and the title is How Not to Pray. So let's just jump in. Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. For say, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should... Ariel, I totally forgot to send the slides. That's why they're not up there. My bad, everybody. So this morning, if you write your Bible, please share with somebody who's sitting next to you. Do not be like them, verse 8, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You guys hear the saying, uh, there are no atheists in foxholes? Meaning, the question that we're asking today is not, do you believe in prayer? I think everyone does. It's just a matter of time. We're also not asking, are you going to pray? At some point, every single one... It may be God, it may be help, it may be someone, it may be something. But Jesus gets to the heart of this thing on prayer, and he says that prayer is sort of the involuntary reflex of the human heart. No matter what you say you believe about religion, your church background, at some point every single one of us will feel our humanity, will feel our vulnerability, They'll get to a point where you can't not pray. Again, it may not be profound, deep, theological rich prayers, but every single one of us I venture in here, regardless of your church background, at some point, because you knew in your heart of hearts that there is a God and that you need him. When the temperature gets turned up high enough, help God, anybody. Where are you? General overview today. This is a two-parter. Uh, general overview on prayer as we continue the Sermon on the Mount. Two-part on prayer. And, 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 and here's the first thing. And two real big points, and then we'll kind of dig in verse by verse. One is that prayer. <laughs> I see I look up here because I'm accustomed to going. Okay. So I'm going to have to repeat myself a lot today. Not like I normally repeat myself a lot, but I'm going to repeat myself even more today. Prayer is learned. Everybody say it with me. Ready? Prayer is learned. Here's how much I struggle praying. You ready? It is easy for me to preach for 45 minutes. It's very hard to pray for 45 minutes. Um, I've never fallen asleep while preaching. 
I've put people to sleep, but I've never fallen asleep while preaching. I fall asleep a lot while I'm praying. Um, my wife says this. She's like, how do you talk so fast and not lose your train of thought? I go, I don't know. I just talk. And I, I never lose my train of thought while I'm preaching. I lose my train of thought a lot when I'm praying. Can anybody relate? Prayer is hard for me. I struggle praying every day. Now, here's the thing. I don't think, unlike some people, I, I don't think a lot of people struggle with praying because we don't think it's important or it's a priority or because we're not disciplined enough. Goodness gracious, some of you are the most undisciplined when it comes to spiritual disciplines, but good Lord, you are disciplined when it comes to certain things that really matter to you, yes? You will sacrifice, you will prioritize, you will wake up at 4.30, go to bed at 3 in the morning if it's important. So for me, the heart of prayer is not, I think it's important, not as, yeah, it's important, discipline. For me, I literally think we don't understand prayer. We don't get prayer. And I don't want to be of, offend you, but I don't, I don't think some of us pray right. Now, sitting there going, there's another pastor telling me that there's a right way to pray. Listen, Jesus says this is how you pray. Did you notice that? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jewish men who, when they could walk and talk, learned the value and the importance of prayer. These are men who prayed all of their lives, but they came to a place where they looked at Jesus and they go, I've been praying all my life, but when you pray, it's a little different. When you pray, it's a little different. Jesus, will you teach me how to pray? And here's another critical thing. Jesus doesn't say, well, just talk to God. That's prayer. Just talk to how, how many of us heard that? Just talk to God. And there's a small part in which prayer is talking to God, but we're going to get back to this. Jesus doesn't say, oh, you just talk to God, you know? That's prayer. Talk to God. He goes, and this is how you pray. I want to encourage you. First and foremost, if you struggle with praying, Jesus goes, I knew you'd struggle praying. That's why I'm going to teach you how to pray. If anybody's sitting there going, I don't feel spiritual. I feel like an amateur when it comes to praying. Because, you know, we've all been around people who are like amazing prayers. You know what I'm talking about? Like they pray and you're sitting there going, good Lord, that, that's coming out of your mouth. Like you're sitting there, hard time like paying attention because their prayer is so good. But for like the rest of us who are like, um, God, yeah, um. <laughs> Jesus goes, welcome to the club. We're going to learn how to pray together. Second thing. Not just prayers, Lord. He says the second thing you need to know about prayer, and this may be the most important thing, is this. And listen carefully, okay? I'm going to repeat it twice. Prayer is not about getting things from God. Prayer is about getting God. Prayer is not about getting things from God, but prayer is getting God. What do I mean? Look at the first part of the Lord's Prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, pay attention to the pronouns. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how we pray. I'm just going to make fun of all of us, okay? Um, dear God. Me, 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 me. Mine, 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 Okay, let me be more specific. God, give me, 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 give me. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Protect me, protect me, protect me, protect me. Watch over me, watch over me, watch over me, watch over me. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And yet when Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to pray, the first half has nothing to do with my needs. 
first have nothing to do with my daily bread, nothing to do with my guilt, my anger towards people, the strength that I need to face everyday challenges. We spend the first half doing what? Simple. Jesus says, spend the first half, I'm enjoying God. I'm rejoicing in God. I'm noticing God. I'm amazed by God. I'm in awe of God. This is huge. Jesus is teaching us, essence of prayer, is that before you ask him for anything else, the primary goal or the first thing you ask for is in prayer is God. The first thing you ask for in prayer is not things from God. It's God. See, when people come up to me and go, well, prayer didn't work for me. I always go, well, what do you mean prayer didn't work for you? And they always tell me something that they prayed for that they didn't what? Get. And Jesus is saying here, the way that prayer is supposed to work is that before you ask for anything else, first and foremost, ask for me. Ask for me. Before you ask for anything else, ask for me. So if there's anybody in you who says, you know, prayer just didn't work for me, I want to ask you a question. Did you in your prayer persistently, time in and time again, over and over again, first and foremost pray, God, I want you. I want reality. I want to experience you. I want to know you. I hunger for you. I thirst for you. I want more of you. I want more of your reality in my life. I want to be satisfied by you. I want you more than anything else. Was that the first and foremost part of our prayer? If it is, Jesus says, you will never be disappointed with prayer. So sub-points, if you're taking notes from this main point, that prayer is not about getting things from God, getting God. Sub-point is one is this. Having our prayer request answered is not the primary goal of prayer. Having our prayer request answered... Can we please stop praying ATM machine prayers? Good Lord. Most of us pray when we need something. And listen, I'm going to get to this. We get to the R part somewhere. But if you listen to the way we pray and to the prayers around us, they literally send around these four things. Something about blessing me. Something about being with me. Something about watching over me. And something about protection. And nothing wrong with those prayers but if they dominate our prayer time, God goes, you've veered far from what prayer was supposed to be. Can we be really honest here this morning? For some of us, isn't this the reason why we stopped praying? Because we asked God for something and we didn't get it. And what if God goes, that's not even the point of prayer. That's not even the point Another sub-point is this. A prayer is not a way to alert God to our needs. Prayer is not a way to inform God. <laughs> Verse 6, uh, Matthew 6, eight says, Your Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. I love listening to our people's prayers. It's like their information prayers. You know what I'm talking about? God, uh, I, need to, I want to pray for Bill. You know Bill? Bill. Bill's, he's, he's, the guy, he's this guy at work, and he's really annoying me. And I just, I just, and I feel like God's up there going, Bill, I know Bill. I created Bill for crying out loud. I know him. Matter of fact, I know things about Bill that you don't know. But we feel this need to sort of inform God. And God's going, listen, listen, listen. Prayer's not meant for you to inform me because I already know what you need. 
King David said, before a word is on my tongue, you already know it. God says he already knows even our thoughts before they're even ordered. Which then brings us this question. Some of us going, then why do we even bother praying? And therein lies the problem. And therein lies the problem. We've been conditioned to think that asking God for things is the end all and be all of prayer. Somebody goes, but what about knock and seek and da-da-da-da-da-da-da? And God goes, even that is not about you. It's in the context of a kingdom prayer which says, we get to you. But those things come secondarily to me. We screen our calls in our culture. Bling, bling. I do. I look, who's calling me? We screen God, dudes. Ladies. It's like we're done. Once we're done asking God for, this is how we do it. Once we're done asking God for things, we run out of things to say. Once we go down our wish list, it's like, doop, 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 doop. I guess I'm done. And sometimes I wonder, God goes, but I'm trying to get to you. But I'm speaking to you always. But I want to draw near to you. I want to be with you right here. And we're going, no, I'm done. I said what I needed to say. Mm. Another subpoint: point, prayer is not just communication with God. Prayer is not just. You know I say that. We've been taught growing up that prayer is talking to God. And it was really helpful because it made God accessible and doable. But here's the problem with me. I think I'm communicating. But I'm in a monologue. My wife points that out all the time. <laughs> you thought we were talking, right? Yeah, we're talking. No. You were talking, and I was listening. Do you ever do that to God? Do you ever do that to God? <laughs> it was God going, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> that was freaky. Prayer not just communication or communication with God because too often it's a one-way conversation. You and I are the only ones talking. And when we're done talking, we go, ah, oh, I'm glad I got it off my chest. We're done. Can I tell you something? This is amazing if you're a Christian. God says you can hear his voice. God says that as a child of God, my sheep know me and they listen. You and I could hear God's voice. If we would just be still enough, silent enough to listen to God, God says, I can speak and you could hear John 1.1 of all the things that John could have used to describe Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God to describe Jesus. He uses a word that literally describes communication. I'm going to ask you something. When was the last time you had a palpable sense God is speaking? Because you took time to listen. Can I just say real quick, the primary way in which God speaks to us is through the word. The primary way in which God speaks to us is through the word. I believe in all the gifts of the spirit and that God speaks through people. God speaks through, I've heard of people who said God spoke to them through an audible voice. Okay, I've never heard that, but God can speak. He's an amazing communicator, but God speaks through the word, which means, listen very carefully, there's a direct correlation between our ability to hear God and our familiarity with his word. I found that those who know the word most hear God best. 
those who know the word most hear God. I get really nervous when somebody who doesn't know anything or little about the Bible goes, and I heard God say, I heard God, I go, maybe. But what I know from Scripture is that those who know the word most hear God. Do you know his word? Do you take time to be in his word? So then what is prayer? And we'll again flesh this out more next time we meet. Prayer is constant communion with God. I'm going to make up a word. Prayer is constant relationshiping with God. Prayer is constant communing with God. I love that word communion because it entails communication, but it's so much more. Prayer is about nurturing an ongoing relationship that goes far beyond requests and lists. Prayer, listen, is a means of pursuing a relationship with our Heavenly Father where we get to spend time with Him, the God of the universe, and we catch a glimpse of His heartbeat and His purposes for the world. Have you guys ever been in a relationship where you were so connected, you just kind of knew and the person thinking, they didn't know what you were thinking, and you didn't really have to say much. You just kind of walk into them, they go, rough day? Yeah, rough day. Have you ever been in a relationship where you could be in the car driving, 30 minutes of silence is okay, and then feel the need to like, I got to say, no, there's comfort in silence. You ever been in a relationship? You're aware of them. They're aware of you. You're thinking about them. They're thinking about you. What if that's what prayer was supposed to be? What if that's what God intended prayer to be? What if prayer was a way for you and I to commune with God where we get to know him intimately? Do you know what happens when we realize this? This is huge. This is huge. Hard to understand, hard to live out huge. When you understand that that's the point of prayer, then prayer itself becomes the reward. Prayer itself is the reward. The reward for prayer becomes the joy of being with him, the blessing of being able to call him Abba, Father, and the wonder. (laughs) There's a song called... And I'm madly in love with you. The wonder of prayer is that you and I can be singing, and I'm madly in love with you, God. And hear God sing right back at you, and I'm madly in love with you. When's the last time you were silent enough just to go, this is great. I don't have a list, God. I just want to be together. Listen to your heartbeat. You know what happens? Then, we don't just pray when we're on spiritually or when we're off spiritually. We don't just pray when things are going well, when things are going really bad. We don't just pray when things are... We pray through all seasons because prayer is not about listen, request, and what an emergency. Prayer is about communing with the Heavenly Father, being with Him. But God, I got... I know, I know, I know where you're at. I know. You, 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 you know about Bill? I know about Bill. (laughs) 
do you know where this really hit home for me this week? This is so just bah for me. The Apostle Luke also has Sermon on the Mount, and he also has the Lord's Prayer in his book. And check this out. In Luke, the Sermon on the Mount is found in Luke chapter 11. Do you know what comes in Luke chapter 10? Story of Martha and Mary. Do you remember Martha and Mary? Martha's busy, 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 wondering, 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 doing all kinds of stuff, and she's getting mad because her sister's not helping him. Where's Mary? Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Mary goes, Jesus, tell her to help me. And you remember what Jesus said? Jesus says, one thing is only needed, Martha. One thing is only necessary, Martha. One thing. She's kind of, one thing is only needed. One thing. What is that one thing? She's doing it. One thing is to sit at my feet and listen to every word. Commentators will tell you that Jesus was steeped in the book of Psalms. He's quoting Psalms all the time. On the cross, quoting Psalms all the time. And when he says to Martha, one thing is necessary, Martha, Jesus was quoting Psalm 27.4. Psalm 27.4 is King David. King David, a lot of drama in his life. Did you know that? Lots of drama. <laughs> Lots of drama in his life. Lots of drama, okay? Would like to have been his friend. Lots of drama. Constantly, crisis after another. Threats, all, all kinds of things. And Psalm 27.4, David writes this psalm and listened to the psalm that David wrote that Jesus is thinking about. One thing I ask of the Lord. David, this only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David going through crisis does not first ask for protection, God. He does not first ask for security, God, or success. David says, there is what? One thing that I need and want is to One thing. David's prayer with all the stuff that's going around him is if my soul has a sense of his glory, if my soul sees his beauty, if I don't just know about God, but I taste it, I see it, I live it, I experience his goodness and his beauty, if I have that, then I won't be scared, then I won't be afraid, I will be secure, strong, and live life at large, the one What about you? What about me? When is the last time, and I'm including myself, you went before God and before list of things you and I prayed, one thing I ask. This only that I seek. To know you. To experience you. Do you understand that having our prayer request answered is not the goal of prayer? Do you understand that prayer is not a way to alert God to our needs? And do you understand that prayer is not just communication with God, but it's communion with God? Where the reward is not. You know what that was? That was God going, Amen, brother. Preach it, Peter. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
Okay. Now we're going to dig into the prayer itself. Overview. Verse 5. And when you pray. Let's take that word and. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this is why it takes me forever to preach. You got to go home and go, what did he talk about today? He talked about and. And? Yeah, he talked about and. Do you know why that's important? Listen carefully. Jesus is saying prayer is not a standalone. Let me say it another way. Prayer is connected. What do I mean? Listen, listen. In Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is constantly talking about, he's sounding like a radical social activist. He's telling, sell your possessions, give to the poor, be involved in issues of justice. And right before this passage in 6-5, Matthew, verses 1 through 4, if you read it, Jesus is talking about our engagement with the poor, our giving to the poor, and our intense engagement with the world and the needs of the world. Then he gets to verse 5, after talking about them in verse 4 verses, and he says, and when? Now, when you and I say, and... What are we talking about? We're connecting it to something that we said before, yes? In other words, Jesus is saying, listen carefully. Well, I just talked about giving to the poor, issues of justice, and being engaged in the world. But, you know, we're going to change subjects now. Let's talk about prayer. He doesn't. He talks about the poor, justice, and then he goes, and. Why? Listen carefully. In Jesus' mind, it's the people who are characterized by this deep inner life, characterized by this deep, incredible inner life of prayer. It's them whose lives will be most characterized by radical, sacrificial generosity to the poor and the most courageous, visionary engagement with the needs of the world. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus never pits serving and praying against each other. They can't happen one with the other. Simply put, Jesus saying, if you're praying, it'll drive you out. If you're praying and you're intimately connected to the Father, it will drive you out. If you're communing with the Father in deep intimacy through prayer, your life will inevitably be one of radical generosity and justice for the needs of the world. Can I get an amen? But it works the other way too. What do I mean? If you really want to be effective out there, it has to come from within. If you want to be effective out there, it has to come from within. Some of you are actively involved in caring for the poor, justice issues, but it doesn't come from within. And you're not effective. Why? You're angry. You're bitter. You're unforgiving. You're self-righteous. Why? Your activity out there has to be driven from within. We're communing with the Father. And you're hearing His voice. You're hearing the gospel. And you're finding your identity, your security, your worth, your strength in Him. If you're praying, it'll drive you out. And if you're driven out, it has to come from within. I'm scared that some of you, let me put it this way. Matthew 4, when Jesus was being baptized, remember? Heavens open up, spirit descends, and he hears the Father's voice. This is my son 
in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus goes into ministry. I'm scared for some of you that you do not hear the voice of your heavenly Father that tells you, you're my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. And, and, and the second word is when. Let's stop there, when. No, I'm not going to do that with every word. <laughs> and when. I just simply point out to say, not if. You know what Jesus said? And what, what and when you pray. Verse 6, 7, and 9. In other words, Jesus assumed that you and I would pray. He just assumed that you and I would want to commune with our Heavenly Father. He just assumed it. He did all of his life. I, I'm sorry, but when somebody goes, I'm too busy to pray, I just want to go, I don't know anybody who's not too busy. Do you? Does anybody know who's not too busy? It's like, oh, it's cold in Chicago. Yeah, it's cold in Chicago. We're all busy. The problem is some of us are too busy for our own spiritual good. We are. You're going, well, I'm so busy that I don't have time to pray. Here's what I know about Jesus. In three years, he accomplished more in his lifetime than we will ever do in our entire lives. And he prioritized the time with the Heavenly Father. I think it was Martin Luther who said something like, I'm so busy that I need to spend three hours every day of my life communing with the Heavenly Father. Matt, John 5, Jesus goes, I, I only do what I see the Father doing. How do you know what the Father, I'm seeing it. How are you seeing it? I take time to look. I take time to listen. I, I've said this before. I'm just going to say it once. Many of us, like nine out of ten things that we do, we're not doing it for Jesus. We're doing it for ourselves. Nine out of ten things that we're doing for Jesus, God's not at work in those things. But we're at work in those things. Why? Do you ever take time to go, are you at work there? 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 Jesus was never hurried. Never seemed busy. Never rushed. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I just have a confession to make. Does anybody else struggle with this? Anybody else want to sort of impress others with how spiritually we, spiritual we are? Anybody? Really? Just like two of us? Okay. Isn't that a lot of the reason why sometimes we serve, we do things? I mean, deep down inside. Outwardly, we go, no, no, it's all God, God's glory. But deep down inside? And Jesus was saying, one of the most profound ways that we do that is by the way we pray. If you didn't grow up in church, you were spared what I grew up with, which was the elders' prayer time in the service. Let me tell you what the elders' service was. Elders' prayer was during the middle of the service, an elder in the Korean church I grew up in would come up and he would pray. It would just be like prayer. But it's almost like, I swear, they had a competition amongst the five, six elders on who could pray the longest. And one time I counted, literally, okay, yeah, as a freshman, anybody, you know what I'm talking about, Grace? I counted how long this man prayed, and he prayed for 40 minutes. 40. No. <laughs> I wanted to walk out. Uh, you would have walked out. I would have, but I'm a good Korean boy, so, yeah. <laughs> Is somebody back there with the lights? 
I'm, this is getting freaky, guys. It's getting a little freaky. It's a good thing you didn't walk out. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you, can I just, I don't want to be too harsh judgmental because you know what I realized as I grew up? I'm not any better. I, I remember the first time I was engaged in something called group prayer, small group prayer. Does anybody remember? It's the first time you had to pray out loud, you know, with a group of people. And I remember being so nervous and scared because I'm going to pray out, and there's like seven of us, right? <laughs> and it inevitably happened, you know. I'm not even thinking about what other people are praying about. I just want to pray a good prayer in this group, you know. That sounds really spiritual, right? And I'm, got, I'm all prepared, right? And then like the third guy prays the thing that I was going to pray for. So I'm sitting there scrambling, going, I got to change what I want to pray. Now, I'm not even paying attention. So eventually I did this. I just went first. I just went first, and I just prayed for everything I could think of, put everybody else in a really tough spot. It's strange to me when I think about that, because literally at the end of the day, the thing that was driving all that was, I want to impress. I want to impress. And look at the principle that Jesus says. It's devastating. He says, verse 5, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Do you know what the principle is? When you and I pray to impress people, and people go, whoa, that was like incredible. Jesus goes, that's your reward. They're wow. And you pray to impress people, and they go, oh, I wish I would pray that. Jesus goes, boop, there was your reward. There, I wish I would pray that. You wanted to impress them? Congratulations. They were impressed. That's your answer prayer. Not answer requests. Not intimacy with God. You impress them. They think you're a good Christian. Thank you very much. It's devastating. And so true. And so true. But when you go to pray, go into your room. Literally the word closet is where we get prayer closet from. Close the door. Pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know what the remedy for this temptation to unimpress people is? Here's the principle. Start in the closet before you go public. Everybody say this with me. Start in the closet. Start in the closet before you go public. Before you go public. In other words, Jesus says, start at the place where you're not tempted to impress people. Start at the place where you're not tempted to impress people. Start at the place where you'll have the right motivation prayer, which is to commune with the Father. And get this. He says, start at the prayer where the reward will be. Because some of us go, and the Father will reward you. like, I knew it. There is a reward. Jesus goes, no, God will reward you. What's the reward? God himself. Is that good news to anybody? God goes, that is your reward, the gift of himself. God will move you to a place where you can say, God, you're the prize. Not that people know that I pray. Not that people think that I'm spiritual. But that you are the prize. You are the reward. And that's enough for me. Praying with people is wonderful, but it starts in the prayer closet. And can I tell you something? This is another devastating thing. Jesus says the true litmus test of your spiritual maturity, of my spiritual maturity, is our secret prayer. The litmus test of our spiritual maturity is not evangelism. It's not giving to the poor. Why? Because those are wonderful things that you and I can do with the wrong motivation. Evangelism, giving to the poor, working for justice, wonderful things. But God says you can do that because you want their applause. 
You can do that because you want their acceptance. You can do that because you want their notice. And God goes, there's only one thing that nobody sees that you do but me. What is that? Secret prayer. Matter of fact, Jesus takes it further. He calls you and me hypocrites. If we have no inner prayer life, we only pray and sing. He said, verse, verse, you know verse 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? Hypocrite is someone who does something on the outside and nothing on the inside. And when Christians think of hypocrites, we go to things like sex. Oh, he says he's moral and faithful, blah, blah, blah. But he's cheating on, blah. That's bad. He shouldn't. But Jesus doesn't go to there. He goes, oh, he, 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 he says he's generous and they're good with finances. But there, we go to the money. But they spend all the money on themselves. Jesus goes, no, no, no. Those are critical things in life of the Christian life. But here's the acid test. You ready? The acid test that you are a hypocrite. You only pray in public. You only pray in public. You never pray in secret. Alone. There's only one thing that you and I don't do to be seen by others. Only one thing we do that is not seen by anybody. There's only one thing that we do for God and God alone. Not even for ourselves. What is that? Alone in the prayer closet. Communion with the Father. You got to ask if we do everything but secret prayer. If the entirety of our Christian lives is everything but secret prayer alone with God, what is the essence of our relationship and life with Jesus? Which brings me to this practical principle. Where and when you pray matters. Where and when you pray matters. Where and when you pray matters. When you go to your room, go into your room, close the door. Point is, when you pray, get by yourself in a specific spot. To which I love, I know, our congregation. Well, isn't God everywhere? Doesn't he hear everything? Anybody, anybody love the on-the-go prayers? You know what I'm talking about? On-the-go prayers. <laughs> I'm in the car, on-the-go. Lord, I need it right now. Can you answer? Some of us like, you know, multi-triple tasking, putting on makeup, eating a sandwich, driving, and praying. We love me some on-the-go prayers, but let me give you an example. It's just a life, real-life example, real-life example. Me and Jenny, me and Jenny. Listen, me and Jenny. If the entirety of our relationship was on-the-go conversations, we would not have a relationship. If the entirety of my conversation with Jenny, there are times when she and I will be busy, busy, fed the kids, and they're about to, she and I will sit there, and I'll say to her, I feel disconnected from you. I feel distant from you. It's not because we're fighting, there's issues, and we're going at each other. It's because we're talking, but not really talking. Do you know what I mean? There's talking that you're doing when I'm cooking, and she's washing dishes, this, washing dishes. And we're talking, how was your day, blah, blah, blah. That's talking, and then there's talking where we go two hours aside, talking. There's talking that's giving the kids a bath. Hey, so how was your day? Oh, it was a crappy day, da, da, da. And there's talking when we're at a restaurant, and the waiter goes, up. Oh, we're closed now, you have to go. There's talking on the go, feeding, taking care, diapers, driving, and then there is, we set aside time to commune and to connect, talking. One just manages the chaos in life on the go. The other fosters and builds deep intimacy with your spouse that God said was supposed to mirror 
your relationship with your Father. How many of us in our prayers and the entirety of it is undergo conversations? And they're fine. They're great. But undergo conversations are founded upon deep, intimate connection. <laughs> By the way, just on a side note, I just thought about this. Married couples with kids, you guys know, don't ever try to have a serious conversation when you're trying to feed an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. Because you will frustrate the heck out of yourself and your spouse. I'll tell you what, though. Feel pressure to do that when you don't take time intentionally to go, our relationship is founded on something deeper. Church, are you hearing me? Let's finish up. Verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling, which literally means idle or useless like pagans, for they think they will be heard, taken seriously because of their many words. God doesn't have a word meter. God doesn't have a theological biblical dictionary. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Wrong term for that. He doesn't. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes we think, (laughs) I pray like I preach. Like the more words I can pack in, the better it is. God goes, it's not about the words. It's not about the volume. It's not about any of that junk. It's about the sincerity of your heart. Do you know what moves God? Can I tell you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like, pick on somebody. You know what moves God? Annette? You know what moves God? Annette here two years ago, Easter service two years ago, was it? Yeah. Gave her life to the Lord. I distinctly remember us sitting up here or standing praying. Do you remember? Praying. And the first time Annette joined us, joined hands, you know how she prayed? She said, good morning, Lord. Good morning, Lord. Do you remember that? But she didn't. Like use deep. Oh, thou art the father. Can I do you talk to your dad like that? <laughs> but 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 she didn't like yell and scream volume. God's a really good listener. Good morning, Lord. And in those good morning, three three words. <laughs> She leveled me. And I had to hold my back from, from crying. Because I was just like, it's almost like her honesty, sincerity, and authenticity just masked all this spiritual junk that we, as we get spiritually older, I guess. And the purity of it and the essence of it. It's almost like God going, I heard that. I heard that. And I was like, you could hear God going, good morning, Annette. Are you getting hung up because you're going, well, what words did I, should I, did? good morning, Lord. Thank you. It was a rough week. I need you. I need more of you. You already know. Maybe you don't, that God doesn't respond to our prayers based on how long 
how loud, how many words. By the way, for those of us that grew up like in churchy churches, we deep down inside knew. You know what I mean? When somebody got up there and did these long, there's something in us that goes, that just doesn't sound right. just doesn't sound right. Something's right. Yeah, I think it's because you and I have this little thing inside of us that kind of gauges when someone's being true and authentic. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And you guys, listen, and this is where we're going next time. When you begin to understand what prayer is, you no longer read that verse where your father knows what you need, and you go, well, why should I even pray? You know what you do? You know, you go, he knows. He cares. He's got it. He's on it. He's sovereign. He's loving. He's powerful. He's got it taken care of. That person you're praying for for salvation, he knows. He's got it. That anger and forgiveness that you've been praying for, for forgiveness, he knows. He's got it. He's aware. He's on top of it. Why do I even bother praying? So you can be with him. Sometimes I feel like God goes, give me the list. Give me the list. (laughs) Go with the list. Let's just be together. But I got to go to the, I already know about Bill. Let's just go down. Just, just, let's just be together. Let's just be together. And a profound shift occurs in terms of what prayer is. I'm going to finish and then go. One, prayer enables us to catch God's heartbeat and his purposes. We realize prayer enables us to catch God's heartbeat and his purposes. Let your will be done. And that is, as we get to know God, you know what prayer does? As we get to know God, we realize that the primary purpose of prayer is not to get God to do what we want, but it places us to a place where we begin to want to do what God wants. Prayer begins to align us and come to that place where we don't go, God, this is what I need you to do. We go, God, what do you want? What's on your heart? What's on your agenda? What are you doing today? And we don't pray that God will change our circumstances. We pray for the circumstances. We don't pray, but we go, God, how could I be involved in your activity in these circumstances right now? How many of you guys have been praying that God would change something, change something, change something? If you believe that God is at work, how about praying, God, you're at work. What are you wanting to do, and how do I get involved in that? And secondly, we realize that prayer enables us to access his kingdom power and provision for all of your life. And this is what we're going to talk about. Let your kingdom come. Does anybody else find this amazing that God has a mission for your life? Does anybody else find it amazing that God has a kingdom mission for your life and my life? And that God is at work in your school, in your dorm, in your neighborhood. God is at work in all of these spheres of life. God is a kingdom mission. And when we pray, God, let your will be done. And what prayer does, prayer takes us and aligns us to God. God then pours out his kingdom power and demonstrates his kingdom power through us. God says to the disciples in Acts one, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere. What do you want us to do? Just pray. Pray about what? Just pray. Prayer didn't induce the Holy Spirit to come. God said it wouldn't come anyway. Prayer brought them, all of them, from all blah, 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 scattered. Prayer brought them to a place where they became aligned with God. And when God said, I got you exactly where I want, he poured out his spirit and the rest is history. God will change your workplace when you're aligned to him. But, but, but they don't want to come to church. So the only way that God is at work is if they come to church. 
God is at work. God will change your workplace when we're aligned to him. God will change our schools when we're aligned to him. God will change our community when we're aligned to him. God will change our world when we're aligned to him. When God demonstrates his kingdom power to people who are aligned to him. To know his heartbeat and his ways. See, prayer is that one thing that Jesus says is a key to unlocking your entire life. Not just Christian life, your entire life. Where we begin to go, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. 